Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, where we talk about movies from the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Jason, who are we here to talk about today? We are here to talk about Mr. Clint Eastwood. What kind of stupid name is that? <laughs> the biggest <laughs> yellow belly in the West. Guys, we are here to talk about Clint Eastwood, specifically Mr. Philo Beto, which is some kind of kick butt name as well. I got a question for you, Jason. Yes. Philo Beto's pretty strong, right? Oh, yeah. You think he's strong enough to beat Superman? Sure. We'll see in a little bit, okay? Hey, yeah, all, right. all right. I like it. Okay, good. Okay. So we came in with the song. Hang on, hang on. I got to okay. stop you right there. Okay, yeah. Okay, hang on, D. Yesterday yeah. was Clint Eastwood's birthday. Yes. Okay. On our Facebook page, I put a post of Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly in Back to the Future 3, and it said, Happy birthday, Clint Eastwood. I got one of two responses. One of them was, Haha, that's funny. That's really yeah, clever. Yeah. That's smart. And the other one was, that's not Clint Eastwood. Oh, gosh. <laughs> this, is, this is a sad statement on the education of humanity right here. If you don't get that joke, you need to go run, not walk. Go run and watch Back to the Future 3 again. Yeah. Skip Back to the Future 2. Right. Go straight to Back to the Future That's 3. That's right. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you introed us with You're the Reason God Made Oklahoma, and it's the perfect intro song for the story that I am about to tell you. I'm about to tell you the story of Piggy Barnes. Piggy Barnes. Piggy Barnes. Okay. All right. So Piggy Barnes was a high school athlete, part of the 1938 undefeated season for his high school. After he graduated high school, he went on to be a sergeant in World War II. Then after World War II, he went to college at LSU, where he was a football player and a weightlifting champion. He went from LSU to join the Philadelphia Eagles, where he played guard for them from 1948 to 1951. Okay. Now, while he was still a member of the Philadelphia Eagles team, he was down in Louisiana visiting his college friends, and he got involved in spying on the 1949 undefeated OU team coached by Mr. Bud Wilkinson himself. College football legend Bud we Wilkinson. Named, we named a stadium after him. Absolutely, we did. Yes. The so, longest current winning streak in college football still holds. By the way, sidebar, OU women's softball team currently has the longest winning streak for women's softball, and yesterday played the first game of the College Women's World Series. They got another game tomorrow. I'm hoping by the time this episode comes out that you all will know that we won yet another women's Fingers World crossed. Series. Yes. yes, yes. So anyway, I digress. The important thing to know is that Sports is important to Oklahoma. It always has been. Right. And when you get to a stage where you're involved in a bowl, in a big bowl like the Sugar Bowl, yes. it's really important that you keep your stuff secret, right? You don't want people spying on you. Sure. Well, while Bud Wilkinson is getting ready for the Sugar Bowl in 1950 in Biloxi, Mississippi, he gets a phone call and he says, you have guys spying on your team. Now, many will say that this is the only time in his entire 17-year career as a OU football coach that they saw him get mad. Yeah. And he got livid. Uh-huh. So he puts together a detective team, and they go out. They go. There's this garage where they can see down into the field on in Biloxi, Mississippi, 
where the OU Sooners are playing. Okay. And so this team of law enforcement, photographers, reporters are all converging on this point, and they find this guy hiding underneath a blanket with binoculars and charts and cameras, and he sees them coming. He sees them closing in, so he jumps down, goes into the garage, he's yelling profanities at them, they're banging on the door. He eventually busts out, and they manage to snap a picture of him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This now is this great. is this is back in the day when pictures had to develop. So it was another day before they developed the picture. And when they developed the picture, they saw that it was Mr. Piggy Barnes from the Philadelphia Eagles, former LSU player, who was spying on him. And Bud Wilkinson was like, "Come out." Okay. He comes out, and he's. This guy has gone into hiding with another LSU player named Albert Manuel. And he's and Bud Wilkinson says, show yourselves and declare your innocence or we're going to assume you're guilty. They never come out, right? Oh, yeah. So, Keep sure. your mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah. So 1950 Sugar Bowl, OU beats LSU 35 to 0. It made no difference at all. Right. Except that he was horribly embarrassed. He ultimately, the next year, leaves the Philadelphia Eagles and goes into acting. Okay. Okay. Piggy Barnes goes into acting because he's a terrible spy. <laughs> and he is a, he plays parts in Gunsmoke and Bonanza and Rawhide, Rowdy Yates. Anybody? Yes. Yes. yes? Okay. Yes. And the Dukes of Hazard. Along with a ton of other stuff where at some point he realizes he's good at playing a sheriff. Plays the sheriff in at least 10 different TV shows and movies, including High Plains Drifter. Okay. Okay. Yep. And in 1981, brings that sheriff role to a key role in a movie that is a knockoff of Smokey and the Bandit. It's a movie called Smokey Bites the Dust. Came out in 1981. Yes. And it is an absolute dismal failure. <laughs> but it's not the first Smokey and the Bandit that he has knocked off. Okay. The first one is the movie we're here to talk about today, Every Which Way But Loose, where Walter Lee Piggy Barnes plays the character that is much talked about, but little seen. Mr. Tank Murdoch. And she said, You're just a Coca Cola cowboy. You got an Eastwood smile and Robert Redford hair. Oh, no way! Tank Murdoch! Yes, there you go. That Tank. is awesome. So, Tank Murdoch, the championship fight at the end of Every Which Way But Loose was a guy who was once a spy for LSU against O. Wow, that is a great story. Thanks, man. I was wondering where we're going with this. <laughs> where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Tank Murdoch, that's the guy. He's like the big baddie at the end of the movie. Yeah. We'll talk about what we think about that fight sort of at the end, but yeah. that's the big baddie. Cool. Okay, great. So we are here today to talk about the movies Every Which Way But Loose from 1978 and the sequel, Any Which Way You Can, which came out in 1980. Now, these are Clint Eastwood's first two attempts at comedy. Yeah. And we're going to talk about whether we think he succeeds or whether you think he fails. Yeah, so we talked about the fact that his career is far too long for us to go into depth on. Right. I mean, he has been making movies 
and TV shows as long as my dad's been alive. Yeah, I mean, way I mean, longer than we've been alive. Yeah. yeah. And 70 years or more right. at this point, right? Right, right. And so he started off. Well, I'm just going to skim by here. We're just going to run through. But, right, he starts off and gets kind of ridiculed as a bad actor. But he starts off in Rawhide, Rowdy Yates. Yes. But ultimately, a little bit later, he gets a, a chance break. The guy who directed Once Upon a Time in the West has a new movie that he wants to direct that's kind of a knockoff of a Kira Kurosawa movie called Jimbo. Yeah, okay. But he can't get the guys who were in Once Upon a Time in the West because they're too expensive. Charles Bronson is too expensive at this point. (laughs) And so he falls back on Clint Eastwood, and that is how we get The Man with No Name and the Dollar Trilogy. Yeah. Fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, and Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Fantastic. I love Clint Eastwood. Let's talk about that for just a second. Yeah. Are you a Clint Eastwood guy? Like, do you like his movies? My friends growing up were all about John Wayne. Like, their dads watched John Wayne movies with them. My dad watched Clint Eastwood movies with me. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's what we watched. And it wasn't so much the Spaghetti Westerns, but the Dirty Harry movies, my dad thought they were hysterical. He could have called them a comedy. He thought it was great when, when Clint Eastwood would go and foil a bank robbery while all chewing on the same bite of hot dog, he thought it was hysterical. <laughs> so okay. lots and lots of Clint Eastwood movies in my past. Yeah, Interesting. Okay, factor. I love Clint Eastwood movies too. And in, the funny thing is that he's sort of reinvented himself several times, you know? Oh, oh, yeah. And especially as a director, has done so many different types of movies. I mean, and has proven himself over and over. And it seems like every single time that he goes out and tries something new... The critics ridicule him, but the fans love him. One of these days, we need to talk about Unforgiven, which is kind of his masterpiece. Yeah. Well, and we had our friend Dale Selby say, hey, you should do Unforgiven versus Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then I started out, we started watching these movies, and I was like, you know what? I kind of want to watch The Outlaw Josie Wales. That was one of my favorite cowboy movies of his. Sure. I start watching that. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's all the guys who are it in is. Every Which Way But Loose. It is. It's crazy, right? I mean, Sandra Locke is there. Uh, John Quaid is there. Yeah, the guy who is the main bad guy, the the Union soldier, he's one of the Black Widows. The guy who pulls them across the river, who's singing Dixie on one way across, he's one of the Black Widows. I mean, there are tons of guys. Oh, and by the way, in The Outlaw Josie Wales, yeah. the throwback to one of our very old, very unpopular episodes. <laughs> Sheb Woolley is also in The Outlaw Josie Wales. He is the guy who, spoiler alert for that episode you're never going to listen to, he's the guy who did the Wilhelm Yell. Is that right? That's right. I forgot about that. That's right. He's the guy who in Josie Wales is playing the fiddle at the end and gets buried up to his neck by the Indians. It's a great movie. It is a fantastic movie. That's interesting. Okay, cool. So let's talk about the birth of this movie, right? Okay. Yeah, so this script was written by a guy named Jeremy Joe Kronzberg. Yes. Okay. He hasn't done a whole lot. Jeremy Joe? Jeremy Joe Kronzberg has... I think he goes by JJ. I bet he goes by JJ. He probably goes by JJ. Yeah. He's done, obviously, Every Which Way But Loose. He also wrote the script for Any Which Way You Can. 
and going ape. Okay, that's fantastic. Okay, stop right there. Okay. <laughs> You're blowing my mind already. Have you seen Going Ape? I have not, but I, I am aware that it involves orangutan. There's a little bit of a, a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's here's where the Shirley world collides right yeah. here, okay? Okay. So you've got Danny DeVito. Yes. Which we talked about in our Twins episode. Yeah. And Tony Danza. Hold me close now, Tony Danza. <laughs> which we talked briefly about Taxi. In our TV themes episode. We did. Then you've got Poppy, the orangutan. Okay. Who plays Clyde's girlfriend in Any Which Way You Can. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And so it's just kind of a fun collision movie, and there's stupid hilarity. And as a kid, I freaking loved this movie. You loved Go. Going Ape. Of so course. I had to, I, when I saw this movie, I immediately started thinking about... Uh, Electric Boogaloo, the Canon yeah. Films yeah, yeah. documentary, yeah. because they had a movie that was supposed to have an ape in it, but like the ape ended up the, the orangutan. Yes, it ended up biting the kid, and so like the next day, <laughs> it was a midget in an ape suit that looked absolutely <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Canon Films, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so, I don't know if I don't know if Manus was the one that bit the kid or not, but. So the interesting thing, before we even really get down the road, yeah. so Manus was the orangutan in Every Which Way But Loose. Yes. They had to fire him and get a different orangutan for the second one because they try to keep him young because they're kind of more docile as they're young. Okay. So the second ape was, his name was Buddha. Buddha. Yeah. Yeah, there was another ape that was involved as well called CJ, which might be Clyde Jr. It might be, a, that might be how the, he got that name, Clyde Jr., I think that he may have come in for when they were doing their marketing and publicity for oh. he was the he was the ape that would go out into the public I guess. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And there's a there's a whole story out there involving PETA and Jane Goodall and the mistreatment of these animals and that story has been called into question by other people, and we don't get involved in that nonsense here. We're not talking about any of that. But crap. we'll tell yeah. you that it exists. Okay. There right? we go. There right. you go. So JJ Kronzberg has this script yes. that involves Bare knuckle brawler. Yep. And an ape. <laughs> because, can, because why not, right? How can it not win, right? How can it fail? Right. Of course. <laughs> well, it, unfortunately, it fails. Like studio after studio after studio all turn him down. But you got the story on why this is a Smokey and the Bandit knockoff. A bit of a stretch, I, I admit, for the story. but Not real. I mean, you know, yeah. kind of. But So tell me, tell me what your thoughts. So. Okay, so there's a couple of urban legends about how this ended up with Clint Eastwood. Because this movie was originally intended for Burt Reynolds. Okay. Okay. 1977, Burt Reynolds does a comedy called Smoking the Bandit. And this is after he's done a bunch of serious stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, Deliverance was a fantastic but very serious, very dark movie. Action hero. Yeah, well, Hal Needham says, well, Burt Reynolds is a movie star. Let's make him into a comedic actor. And Smoking the Bandit is one of the greatest movies of the 70s. Shout out to our pal Van Allen Plexico. I think it's maybe his favorite movie of all time. It's irresistible. But uh, by the way, guys, we covered Smokey and the Bandit versus Cannonball Run and I think season one. Season maybe. one. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. So definitely go check that out. But Hal Needham was Burt Reynolds' stuntman living on his couch. Right. He's, he's part of the inspiration for Brad Pitt's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Absolutely. And so he's he writes this script and gives it to Burt Reynolds, and Burt Reynolds said, this may be the worst script I've ever read in my life. <laughs> let's let's do the it. Right. Yes, let's do it. Yeah. So he's 
then Smokey and the Bandit is, of course, a big success. It's the second largest movie from 1977. Yeah. It only trails Star Wars. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that one or not, but... Uh, uh, Star Wars? You heard that one? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, anyway, Smoking the Man, huge hit. Yeah. So, they want Burt Reynolds for Every Which Way But Loose. Let's do another comedy. Bare Knuckles Brawler and Orangutan, How Can We Lose, plus Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Right? So, one version I read was basically they got it to Burt Reynolds, and Burt Reynolds is like, I don't really want to do this. Maybe- I don't like monkeys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about this. Maybe my buddy Clint. Eastwood would like to do it, uh-huh. okay? Another version of it was there was a secretary involved, and they were trying to pass it through the secretary to get to Burt Reynolds. Uh-huh. And the secretary, like, intercepted it, showed it to Clint. Clint's like, yeah, I kind of want to... Because Clint was wanting to do something a little bit more broad, a little bit more Smoking the Bandit, a little more commercial, broaden his appeal. And he basically intercepted the script. Yeah, so the secretary, her husband was a guy who was a sound guy. His name was Bob Hoyt, and he did... Mr. Hoyt. Hoyt. Yeah. <laughs> he did the sound for Jaws, for Play Misty for Me, for The Last Starfighter. Yes. For Weird Science. Yes. And he, I don't know how, the sound guy knows the right people to talk to, but he is the one that convinced Warner Brothers to greenlight this project. Really? Yeah. That's fantastic. You know, Play Misty for Me, Clint Eastwood. There you go. Wow, it's fantastic. So the movie is produced by a guy named Robert Daly. Now, Robert Daly was with Clint Eastwood from Play Misty for Me all the way through Any Which Way You Can. Yeah. And then didn't do anything for a while, and then he did two more movies in 1985. First one was Stick, starring Burt Reynolds. Yeah, I've seen that By Elmore Leonard, one of your favorites. I love Elmore Leonard. And the second one was Real Genius. Get out of here. I got a I got a throwback for you. Ready for this? Yes. Mitch Taylor. Yeah. Mitch. The, yeah. Yeah. The not Val Kilmer part. Mitch yes. Taylor was played by a guy named Gabrielle Jarrett. Yes. Gabrielle Jarrett is the son of Jeremy Joe Kronzberg, the writer of this movie. No way. There you go. You're blowing my mind left and right. Happy to be Where here. Where are you going to find this information? <laughs> That's incredible. Thanks. So the movie was directed by a guy named James Fargo, who is still alive. He's 84 years old. Dude's old, man. Yeah, but not as old as Clint. No, he's not. Clint just turned 93 yesterday, by the way. Yes, right. Clint is nine years older than 84. It's crazy. (laughs) Anyway, he had been assistant director for Steven Spielberg on Duel. Wow, okay. And so Clint Eastwood's like, hey, I I need a director. You obviously, you know, have worked with the best so come work with me he did the enforcer he did every which way but loose and then he would go on to his very important job of directing the (laughs) a-team be sure and go back if you haven't heard our last three episodes we did the best tv themes of the 70s and 80s and that one is there somewhere i pity the fool who did not (laughs) listen to those episodes by the way jace fargo also worked on joe kidd yeah. High Plains Drifter, The Iger Sanction, Outlaw Josie Wells. So he's been around Clint a bunch. Yeah, did a lot for him. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about the crazy name of this movie. Yeah. Every Which Way But Loose. Like, yes. I, I have trouble, I have to think about it to say it right every single time. Why would you call a movie this? Well, because there was a cool song by Eddie Rabbit called Every Which Way But Loose, and they decided we want that song in the movie, and we're going to name the movie after the song. Every Which Way But Loose. 
archway for Inside the fire's burning me In my mind you just keep turning me Every which way but Are you kidding? You turn me Oh, I thought the song was written for the movie That's, I mean, I am I, only here to report what I read, my friend <laughs> The interwebs are telling us yeah. that That's fantastic, okay So that brings us to Soundtrack of the show, you've got the Coca-Cola Cowboy, my Mr. Mr. Mel Tillis. Perfect. <laughs> and keep the applause going. Let's all give a big, big Palomino welcome to pretty Miss Lynn Halsey Taylor. You got Closed Doors by Charlie Rich, and you got a couple songs by this woman named Sandra Locke. Yes. So there's a famous producer, famous country music producer named Snuff Garrett, who produced these songs for this movie, and that included her songs. And his take was recording with her was problematic. Okay, that's interesting. And all I could think of as I watched it was, this was the best take. <laughs> this was the best take. I, I, I hate to do this, but this is the way I've felt since I was a little tiny kid watching these movies with my dad. Sandra Locke is not an attractive person. Like, as I got older, you know, remember when we talked about Toto? And it was like, Toto, mm -hmm. the guys from Toto look like the guys your mom dated after she bro she divorced your dad. Yes. Sandra Locke looks like the girl your dad dated after he divorced your mom. Yes. And the one that you don't like. That's, yeah. You don't like really her and you're pretty. like, dad, you could do so much better than yes. this. Yes. Yeah. She was involved with Clint Eastwood for years. It started with the outlaw Josie Wales. By the way, on the subject of Sandra Locke, yeah. our good buddy, Mr. David... Def Dave Wright sent me some pictures the other day. She is sort of widely known to come from Shelbyville, Tennessee. Yes. But actually, it's a smaller town close to Shelbyville called Wartrace. And so he ran over there the other day and sent me some pictures from Wartrace, Tennessee, because he knew we were doing this. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Good job. So he showed me this, he sent me this picture of downtown right here. He yeah. said, that's it. That's all of it. That's right the there. whole one. There yeah, that's three yeah. buildings. So yeah, she was she was a young model who had gotten some attention and managed to secure a role in the 1968 movie the heart is a lonely hunter which okay. she was nominated for an oscar for what but she lost out to ruth gordon are you kidding me i am not kidding you and for those of you who don't know what i'm talking about can you tell us who ruth gordon is ruth gordon plays ma <laughs> in both of these movies I I should have worn my wig. You hairy ape. <laughs> Stealing my Oreos. She's hilarious. You know, she She's, won an Oscar for Rosemary's Baby. That was the year. That was it. Okay. That was the year, 1968. That's incredible. <laughs> You're blowing my mind. I can't even go Yay. anymore, you know? So, All right. I love it. By the way, we forgot to tell you, before we started this podcast, yeah. we should have the same rules for our podcast that Philo has for Clyde. No spitting. No pissing, no farting, no picking your ass. <laughs> Man, that ruins my day. <laughs> so we have 
a wonderful cast in this movie, right? Yeah, in do. both of these movies, because we've got a lot of carry over here. Basically right? the same, yeah. Basically the same cast. So we know Clint Eastwood. We know that even though he was married and she was married at the time of the outlaw Josie Wales, they both fell in love and started dating each other. And so they're in it. Then we have... Mr. Wait, 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 wait. There's a story that goes with this. Oh, okay, go ahead. I don't want to get too deep on this because okay. that's kind of our style. We, we like the juiciness, but we want to avoid the controversy. Anyway. Just get it as juicy as you like it and then cut what you don't he, like. Here's the deal. Yeah. Sandra Locke was married to another man. Word on the street is they never consummated that relationship because he didn't really like her, if you know what I'm saying. Right. And they he were was- married for years and years and years and were sort of more roommates and friends. She was with Clint Eastwood for years and years and years. There's a lot of overlap here. It's a lot of Hollywood stuff. I'm not really sure how that all works, but I, I can't say I can't verify what you're saying. What I can say is that I heard as part of their not divorce settlement, but you know, they they sued each other when they broke up. Hmm. Part of that deal was she got to keep the house that Clint Eastwood had bought for her husband. The <laughs> half a million dollar house. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's there's some yeah there's some story there that there's we, an agreement we where I get to screw your wife and you get to live in this house. Yeah. Okay. So Sandra Locke plays Lynn Halsey Taylor. There's one too many women in your life. Neither one of us can make it right. There's one too many women in your life. One you say you love, and the one you call your wife. That's all I have to say. About Listen, that. she. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let me just say this: she's Clint Eastwood's live-in girlfriend, so that's how that works. You know, she got the role in many of these movies, probably because she's attached to Clint, and that's Clint. It's <laughs> another outtake. <laughs> Thought I was going to have trouble with every which way but loose. (laughs) Anyway, but she's a package deal with Clint. Yes. Okay. And both of us agree she has her moments, but she can't sing all that well. She's really not that pretty. And she is immensely unlikable, particularly at the end of this movie. The only part I disagree with on is that she has her moments. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, because this is not a bash session. The the Shirley guys do not bash uh, overly. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Mr. Jeffrey Lewis, because he is the guy who helps make these movies. I I told you right before we started recording that he may be my favorite character in the whole thing. And then I said to you, he definitely has the funniest part in the first movie. Yes. And you said which part. And, and you told me, and, and we I, both agreed. You know? Yeah, I, I showed you my bicep, and then you sneezed, and we both agreed that, that is the <laughs> funniest part of this movie. There are a couple of laugh-out-loud moments for Every Which Way But Loose. Yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. When the Black Widows roll up his sleeve and says, look at this tattoo, what is this? Do you know who this is? And Orville, Jeffrey Lewis, just, ah, shoo, just <laughs> sneezes all over Spits it. all over it. Yeah. Love so it. funny. Love it. You see there, an arm? No, there. A tattoo? You don't know what this means. Do you see that? He's in like 
seven or eight different Clint Eastwood movies. They're buddies. Yeah. Clint, Clint brings his friends along. I mean, why wouldn't you? Right. And he, of course, is the father of Juliette Lewis. That is a mind blower if you did not know that before. Juliette Lewis, of course, plays Beverly D'Angelo's daughter in Christmas Vacation. Well, I was shocked whenever I'm watching the movie because it's been decades since I've seen it. Right. And Beverly D'Angelo shows up in the middle of the movie as... Echo. What? Echo. (laughs) Oh, that was such a lame joke that they... They did it four or five times. Four or five times and it still didn't get funny. (laughs) So, Jeffrey Lewis, Juliette Lewis's dad yes. is romantically involved with Beverly D'Angelo who ends up playing Julia Luce's mom later on. Yeah. I, it's all very interesting. I it think. is interesting. So we were talking before we started recording. I think that Jeffrey Lewis is like the greatest sidekick of all time. Yeah. He's always willing to do whatever it takes to hang out with Philo. He gets beat up multiple times. He gets shot. Yeah, I was going to say he once, gets shot. You know, <laughs> he gets shot in the second one. Yeah. And all he wants is to hold the money and eat pecan pie and occasionally maybe get laid on the road with Beverly D'Angelo. I have to think that he was responsible for the skater style of turning your your hat. I loved it. Side. It's always sort of cockeyed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then we run into Beverly D'Angelo. She plays Echo. What? Echo. How many times are we going to do that joke? <laughs> as many times as we can. All right. So I had my mind blown a couple of times Beverly D'Angelo was an illustrator for Hanna-Barbera before I, she started acting. I, what? Are you, what? What? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> and then she doesn't go into acting. She goes into singing. She's the backup singer for the band that ultimately becomes the band. What? Yes. I, I, I was just like, what? And so, <laughs> so yeah. And so this is one of her very earliest acting roles. And she's... She's 24. Foxy is all get out. <laughs> Majors... Right? Always, yeah. And they have that really funny moment where he's squeezing the uh, the cantaloupes. Yeah. Yeah. She was the first set of boobs I ever saw on the big screen. I was hoping you were going to bring that she up. She was the first set of boobs I ever saw on the big screen. It will be etched into my memory forever. Ellen Griswold? Yep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And so she's very young and super attractive. And she gives the film a little kick as, you know, it's a road movie. Yeah. They meet her sort of halfway. She jumps in with them, but she's cute. And then you've got Ruth Gordon as Ma. Fantastic. You hairy Abe stealing my Oreos. Yeah. Yeah. And she'd been acting for forever. She was a playwright. She's done everything. Very talented lady. I cannot really see her as anything other than Philo's. She's not even Philo's mom. She's Orville's mom. <laughs> But she's just the grumpy old lady, you know? I love it. I love it. Quitting your job, letting an old lady die of frostbite, canker sores. It ain't froze around here in 30 years, huh? Don't have to freeze. I got thin blood. Let's talk about John Quaid for a second. (laughs) Then who stomped a mud hole in you? Final Bill, then spat on you and let his age stomp it dry. Final Bill. So whose hide you gonna nail to the gates of hell? Final Bill. Okay, John Quaid is the leader of the neo-Nazi group, the Black Widows. <laughs> Lord, you made some men out of clay. <laughs> you made mine out of. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> He's hilarious. 
right? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So he got involved in acting. I mean, just somebody came up to him and said, I like your face. Have you ever thought about acting? Oh, wow. Yeah. And he was in a ton of those old West TV shows as well, just like Piggy Barnes was. Yeah. And he was in the outlaw Josie Wales as one of the would-be, well, he wasn't quite the would-be rapist. <laughs> he was he was the guy who stopped the would-be rapists uh, in the outlaw Josie Wales, but he got his comeuppance anyway. That's right. Yeah. I like how he's got the little hole in his shirt where you can see the Black Widow on his tummy. It's <laughs> great. He is funny in every which way but loose. Yeah. But he's extra funny in any which way you can. He takes the... He takes the absurd campy to the next level. Uh, so good. So good. You'll pay for that. Philo. Now, you were telling me, not to get too political, but you were telling me that he got pretty political for a while. Okay, so th- here's a couple of things I know about John Quaid. Yeah. Okay, He worked at sort of an engineering plant, and he made parts that are like NASA used and are still on the moon today. Like, he manufactured these parts, and they're... They're on the moon right now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's this crazy. The guy who played Chola. Wow. Right? Yeah. Okay. But he said that uh, he always got these sort of heavy acting roles. Like he always plays the tough guy, the bad guy, big teddy bear, very lovable. Kids love him. Mm-hmm. He's just a lovable type of guy. Yeah. He was very anti-government though. Mm-hmm. And we're not political, but he's one of these guys that is like, the government should not for- enforce you to register your vehicle. And should not require anybody to get a driver's license. Just how he is. Interesting. There you go. Yeah. And we cannot forget, we've talked a little bit, but Manus as Clyde. Yeah. Here's the thing I think the movies get right. Both of these movies get right. Manus is not the star of the movie. Clint is the star of the movie. Right. Movies with monkeys or orangutans or chimps, they tend to make that the star. Hmm. And it's all weighed on an animal who can or can't act and that's it right he's a sidekick yeah he's comedy relief and he's funny as crap i loved clint eastwood's take on it because they were talking to him about the difficulty of working with kids and animals and he's like he was the most natural actor that i've ever worked with (laughs) now we had to get it right on the first take because he'd get bored pretty quick yeah and he said but if you know people talk about him stealing the show well i'm a producer on the show so if he steals the show and it's a success Great. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a funny scene with Manus and Clint Eastwood, and you can actually see it on screen, okay? During the filming of Every Which Way But Loose, they're driving in a truck, and you can t- he starts to get a little physical with Clint. Okay. He starts to kind of headlock him a little bit. Uh-huh, yeah. And Clint, I mean, the cameras are rolling. Like you said, he's a producer. Sometimes you just kind of kind of go with it. Yeah. And you could tell the strength of this animal is hurting Clint a little bit, and he's trying to work his way through the scene, the trainers had to talk on the CB to calm him down a little bit. Gotcha. Because they're strong, those animals. Oh, my gosh. Rip your arms off. Oh, man. I mentioned before, one of the Black Widows was the Union General in The Outlaw Josie Wales. That actor's name was Bill McKinney. He's another guy who's just been in a ton of stuff and was very good at being both the tough guy as well as the funny guy. Okay. Um, but other movies that he's been in where he's been those various types, First Blood, Back to the Future 3. Yeah. And The Green Mile. And then to throw back what you mentioned earlier, a very memorable part that he played was in the movie Deliverance 
where he played one of the two hillbillies who raped wow. Ned Beatty. Wow. The one who says, squeal like a pig. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Same guy. Wow. Well, hey, he's carved out a great living for himself, <laughs> banging Ned Beatty. A <laughs> uh, day that will live in infamy. I just want to bring this up. Both of these movies are road movies. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so it's kind of fun to, you're with this ragtag group of guys. They're being chased by a ragtag group of guys. And it just so happens, I, I've told you, I don't tend to visit movie locations very often, but coincidentally, I've been to both Georgetown, Colorado uh-huh. a million times. Yeah. And I've been to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Yeah. And so every time I see these scenes, I'm like, I was there, you know? I w- I, it's funny because you were in San Diego a month ago whenever I was watching these movies and I was like, oh, I bet there's a place nearby. And I couldn't find any place nearby because almost all the scenes were shot in California. Right. Except those two scenes that you're talking about. Right. Before I talk about the scene that I really dislike in this movie. Okay. I want to talk. There are some really funny moments in Every Which Way But Loose. Okay. So I want to talk to you about the introduction of Clyde. Now, I don't remember what it was like you know, way back when, when, before the movie came out, like how much people really knew about that or whatever. Right. But the very beginning of Every Which Way But Loose, yeah. Clint's character, Philo Beto, goes into like a barn. Yeah. And he's like, Clyde? Clyde? And he gets tackled by Clyde. It's like Cato for Peter Sellers, right? It is, right? Yeah. And I remember as a kid, I thought that was hilarious because Clint's this big, strong guy. Yeah. And then this orangutan just, bam, just Tackles him, takes him out. Yeah. And at the end of the fight, Clint Eastwood still has the beer in his hand <laughs> and gives it to Clyde as like the you win, here's your prize. Beers to you, Clyde. Beers to you. <laughs> I mentioned to you, I today I texted you, I'm like, I'm watching an interview, like a legitimate interview of Clint Eastwood about this movie, and he is drinking a glass of beer while he's doing the interview. Because why not? It's a different time, baby. It is. It is. Okay, so I told you when when Clyde is driving the steamroller. Yes. As a kid, top notch comedy top gold. Top notch comedy right there, right? Comedy, comedy gold for an eight year old. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when Orville and Philo get confronted by the Black Widows, and Orville sneezes on his bicep, cracks me up. And then they proceed to get in a fight. Philo goes outside, and the fight is on, and Orville's just eating his pecan pie. Uh-huh. She's like, "Don't you think you need to go out and help him?" He's like, "No." No, he, he's all right. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, uh, Ma shooting the bikes with a shotgun. Funny as crap. Yep. And then, of course, Echo and the cantaloupes. So there were some funny moments. Right. Even the beginning scene where he gets in a fight with a guy for taking his peanuts at the bar. Right. Well, that's the that's the sheriff that's, like, trailing him around, right? That's the sheriff that's trailing him around. Right. That Which he was a weird... smacks in the face yeah, with that. Yeah, smacks in the face with a fish. Yeah. And then some, what we would probably say are some racist moments <laughs> for his sidekick where he's making he's making his sidekick who's an african-american do all of the work like he's <laughs> digging the hole he's doing the hike he's doing it all all of this was over clint taking a little more than his fair share of free peanuts <laughs> and he chases him across the country and gets yeah. smacked in the face yeah okay let's talk about the scene that i think we both agree is the worst scene in the movie okay is it when sandra Locke is singing no, that's the second worst. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's the moment at the end when Sandra Locke loses her ever-loving mind. The, when she... I, I, so, I, 
I texted you while I was watching Any Which Way You Can. Yeah. Because I noted that their way of having Philo Beto punch the camera, like yeah. it's you're the you're the POV of the guy getting punched. Yes. And also with William Smith, same thing. I was yeah. like, they figured out what they messed up in the first movie because that scene, I mean, she's like spitting and snotty Showing and her teeth and, and just hitting you as the camera, and it is just it's not good. It is so off-putting. It's weird. He's chased her weird. all the way across the country. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into our final judgment next episode. Right. But he's chased her all the way because he thinks there's a chance for them to have a relationship. Yeah. And then she just blasts him with this vitriol and just hatred. Yeah, she's been, spoiler alert, she's been scamming him the whole freaking time, stealing his money. And, I mean, Sandra Locke, whenever she got interviewed for Any Which Way You Can, she was like, I can't believe they put me back in the I movie. Was surprised. My character was such a piece of crap. I, I don't know how that, but they, they wrote it out, and they did a decent job of, you know, making her more sympathetic. And she said, I just pretend that she had a good round of therapy in between the last movie and this movie and has improved as a person. Well, that works better in the second movie. For sure. Are you ready to talk about the second movie? Let's talk about any which way you can. We'll talk about that next week, guys. Thank you for joining us for this week. That's enough of every which way but loose. Come back next week to talk about any which way you can. Sequel. When some old boy pushed me way too far, I got up to ask him why, then he punched me.